Hello and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Writers Talks. Today's session is a deep dive session with typographic artist and all-round wonderful person, Merchant Coppola. And this session is hosted by Devoid, that's me. We'll be talking about everything from Merch's unique style and his use of creative typographic layouts, all the way through to the origins of his name and how he got started with NFTs last year. This was just such a thoughtful and interesting conversation, so I, I think you're going to enjoy it. Here goes. Okay, hello and welcome to another CW Talks episode brought to you by the CW Discord. And today's session is a deep dive. And I'm here, I being devoid, um, I'm here with Merchant Coppola, uh, who is a literary artist, experimental uh, kind of typography and visual poetry focused um, also a writer, community builder, and I've been a bit fascinated with Merch ever since I joined this space uh, a year ago. So Merch, welcome, and how are you doing? Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I'm doing fine, just getting into evening mood, and uh, a talk is just the right thing for me now. <laughs> sure. What is evening mood um, at Even your side? I'm I, I'm just finished with my day job mm -hmm. and uh, did a little bit of community stuff on the on the Hicket No Community Discord and now I'm just trying to relax a little bit. Very good. I kind of had a picture suddenly of you sat there with maybe a, a glass of red wine or something and kind of like the lights were down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's beer actually today. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I'm very jealous. I didn't, I didn't plan ahead well enough, but that sounds great. Um, so this is, strangely, actually, Merch, this is the first time that we've been able to chat properly. Uh, but we have chatted quite a few times on Twitter because whenever I have a question about almost anything, uh, you're one of the first people that I go to. So I remember the first conversation we had was me picking your brains about typographic layout, which is something that we're going to get into um, shortly, uh, but also anything from Hikek Nunk kind of community-based or kind of technical-based. And I just wanted to say, you know, before we really kick in too far, it's honestly a pleasure to have people like you kind of in the community and to know that you're around because um, it's what makes this space so wonderful and you've genuinely helped me over the last year. So thank you for that. And I really appreciate it. Oh, Yeah. That's, yeah, no, no worries. That's what you say, right? <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's fun. The whole community part of all of this is, is a big part of, I think, the whole thing we are doing here, right? Uh, it's not, it, it's an integral part of, of what we are doing and how we are creating in the space, I think. So helping each other is part of that. I, I think, think so, yeah. And I think it's interesting, and we'll probably come circle back to this point later as well, you, you know, you kind of mentioned fun there. Like, it is fun. It's all more fun together, right? You know, when, when, we're, when we're playing in this space together, it encourages everybody to, to, to experiment and try new things. So I think when we, when, when we work together in that way, it, it creates a kind of freedom, you know, um, whereas you know, I think everybody that I'm met in this space has also at times worked in other industries that are much less fun, much less free, and kind of um, encourage people to sit down rather than stand up, if you know what I'm saying. So, it's, yeah, it's it's a good thing. And so, so the first thing that I'm kind of most excited to talk to you about is really this whole experiments in typography piece. And I'm kind of interested to know, because obviously I've um, known you in this space over the last year, but I'm interested to know kind of how you got started with the kind of work that you do um, kind of, and how that's kind of morphed into the work that you're doing now. Yeah. Hmm. How, where did it start? Um, well, I never thought of myself as a real uh, visual artist first. Um, I was, I've always been interested in, in the fine arts and visual arts. My, my mother is a fine artist and my uncle is a painter. Um, so I had lots of museum visits in my youth and in my childhood, um, which I always loved. Um, I've always been interested in engaging with art. 
on on some kind of level, but I never thought of myself as a real artist in the sense that it's a visual artist, right? A painter or something or a sculptor. Um, but what I did, in, in, yeah, I, I, I engaged with literature too, and I started writing. And in my community uh, radio station, I host a, a German uh, literature uh, it's it's a it's a strange format where we talk about uh, local literature in a very strange kind of way, and from that there was a there was a show we did where I always prepare the the um, topics and it was about uh, what was it uh, I don't remember what the topic exactly was but it touched on NFTs. In some, um, it, it was it was fitting to to uh, talk about NFTs in that in that uh, radio show, and then I started really looking into it. I heard of it before, but then for this show, I wanted to mint an NFT, and uh, it was in March, I think, last year. And then, uh, yeah, I just for fun minted something on Hicket Nunk because it was damn cheap and uh, it was part of of this radio show. And from then on, I, I just was sucked into Hicket Nunk. And I thought, what can I do here? How can I, like, how can I contribute in a creative way? And so what I did was I, I merged kind of the visual stuff I loved, but I wasn't able to do like fine art painting. I merged it with literature and with the idea of words and taking simple ideas and yeah, making them into a format that fits onto this platform. And I really think the platform Hicket Nunk itself influenced the whole style I was developing uh, around that time. That's so interesting, Merch. That's kind of like a, that's an origin story I wasn't expecting. <laughs> so w when, when would you say this was? Because it sounds like you're saying that you kind of minted for the first time last year for this radio show, is that right? Yes, yes, this was my first mint. I thought it was just a funny thing to do to understand how it works and what it means and what it does, basically. And, uh, okay, there's another part to the story. My my wife is an illustrator and I, we always, like I, I, I talked to her before and said, maybe we, you could try this too. So I tried to onboard her. She did try it a little bit, but um, at the moment she she uh, doesn't really mint, but she minted a few pieces. And this was kind of, I tried to help her and try to, yeah, to, to um, how would you say it? Uh, yeah, to cheer her to do it. And this was how I also got more and more involved over the time. That's really interesting. And it's also very interesting the way you talk about how the platform that you used kind of um, it's kind of you found the platform, the platform found you because the other art that you saw on there kind of maybe encouraged you to, to um, produce in a particular way. But now you've produced so many pieces over the last year. Um, it's hard to imagine that that wasn't already um, you know, work that you were fully ingrained in for, for years prior. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I think I, I wouldn't have had the courage to to do it if it was just me uh, doing something right. I would probably write in German still because that's yeah that's easier for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and if there wasn't this kind of community or, or or feedback and engagement with the whole stuff, I would probably have not had the courage to 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 keep on doing it right. So this is maybe why, I'm, why this community part and the platform part is pretty important to me um, because it's, it really uh, encouraged me to develop um, a certain style. At least I hope I developed a certain style that's recognizable. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, that's a big part of everything for me. Yeah, I would say that, Merch, you've probably got the most recognizable style of anybody that I kind of um, am aware of on the platform. It's, you know, it really is so incredibly clean and clear, the work that, that you do is. Um, and it might be interesting for us to just take a, just a, almost like a tiny back step.
And I'm interested to know how you would describe to somebody, you know, kind of what your work is, if that makes sense. Because you said there's this interesting play where you didn't feel like you were necessarily a real visual artist, but obviously a very visual element to your work. But because we're on a Twitter space and it's audio, <laughs> you know, it's, we, we, we get to play that fun game of, uh, of kind of describing that style to people who aren't looking at it right now so they can go and explore it later. How would I describe it? Um, yeah, it's... I was... think um, it's about taking um, very... Uh, for me, at least, um, initial ideas, abstract ideas, and putting it into a concrete form, which means, um, yeah, making it visual, but also um, trying to not make it too clear. So, yeah, communicating, um, communicating very abstract ideas with using words without describing something. Well, that sounds complicated and, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's hard for me to describe. No, it I, I like that, actually. <laughs> and there's a couple of reasons that I'm so drawn to your work. I think the first thing comes down to, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been, we won't go too deep into this, but I, you know this because it's our first conversation. I've been working on a book that has an element in it in which, you kind of play with, with what's expected of a page. You know, what you expect from a page is, um, you know, the page is really kind of just there to host uh, the words. But what happens when you actually decouple the words uh, from the, the expected structure and you start to kind of almost use the words as a brush, you know, and, and the words become kind of the, the visual tool and... I, you know, I first got in touch with you because you seem to do that so effortlessly. And I suppose the second piece to that, which I think we'll dig more into, because I'm interested in your perspective on this, is, you know, my one of my kind of previous lives was uh, teaching copywriters and art directors a little bit, you know, a, a creative advertising school. And one of the main rules, you know, that they all had to get used to working inside was, you know, you take... You know, you've got a story you want to tell. Maybe that story you can tell all of us. That story in five minutes. Now go away and figure out how you can tell us it in in ten seconds. You know, how can you how can you reduce your thousand words into just two or three or a single sentence? You know, and and how can you use um, your canvas to communicate the emotion of it or the personality of it? And, and these kind of ideas are so powerful in your work i mean I, this is maybe a difficult one to respond to but i'm just interested kind of how you feel about that as i'm saying it because that concept seems so interesting to me this kind of use of metaphor and personality yeah thank you thank you first uh, it's really nice to hear that it resonates uh, on that level um yeah i think at least if i'm satisfied with uh, with something I created, it's mostly because uh, it is still interesting to me and I still don't fully know what I want to say with it. I mm -hmm. think that's the point where I stop working. Um, normally, um, I, an idea pops into my head and I want to communicate that idea. And then I start um, pushing around words in my, on my computer screen. Yes. And over time, uh, I hope uh, to find a point where it's like kind of splits and goes in a different direction just because I push around words on a screen. So I, I hope I can communicate this with the pieces um, that there's always like, it, there shouldn't be too clear of uh, interpretation and I always want to surprise myself also. And I think this is the interesting part that makes me keep going, that I just push around typography a little bit on the screen and it suddenly it changes a little bit the feeling or the story behind it. And yeah, it's, it's exciting for me too to witness this process. Uh, it's kind of a little bit out of my hand at, at a certain point and that's where I stop and try to finish it. 
Yeah, I, it's so interesting hearing you talk about it because I can. The, there's something that there's a there's a there's a something profound in 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 the simplicity of play with with this work, right? Like you 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 commit to start. And I think everybody who's an artist or a writer in this space can know what it feels like to have a blank page in front of them, and they know that they don't know exactly how that canvas or that page is going to end up. And it's almost true that the more you try to commit to the final result before you've started to experiment, the worse the piece becomes because you you are trying to force something to be something. Whereas what I like about the way you're describing it much is really what you're saying is, and I think the phrase I love the most is pushing the words around the canvas. You push them around on the screen. And I don't know, well, you will remember this because you wrote it, but <laughs> you, uh, you, you wrote a wonderful thread about that broke down the way that you approach uh, approaching one of your typographic layout pieces. And you, you literally talk about that in there. You know, you talk about, I think, you, know, you say, now it gets a bit experimental. Let's push our power graphs around a bit and see what it does. If it sits in the bottom corner, it maybe feels timid and shy. Um, you know, I think every placement gives a text a different personality. And I'm just so intrigued by that way of, of, of looking at, at the canvas because it seems so obvious. And yet it's something that I, I must confess, I'm not sure that I'd really thought about it that way before, that every canvas has a personality. Um, and are you really conscious of that as you're, as you're playing with your work? I mean, how many iterations would you say you go through with those words on a page before you end up with a, a layout that you feel excited by? Do you just play until it feels right? Uh, yes, it's like there's two kinds of, of pieces. Some of those come ready in my head and I have to like, <laughs> I have to be um, careful that I just don't just put them onto the canvas and go for it because I think that would be too easy or I don't know not engaging enough with it mm -hmm. um, and then there's the other way around where I sit down and just use a phrase or a found phrase this is something I like to do too um, I love to to just take phrases maybe overused phrases and try to yeah play with them a little bit so it's really hard to answer that question because it's very very different um, from from depending on my mood, depending mm. on my uh, yeah, if I'm stressed or something, it it changes everything. Um, often it it gets everything gets faster if I'm stressed, but um, also like maybe not that that emotional or something. Um, yeah, so it's really hard. Um, and lately, um, my head has kind of been somewhere else and, and when I sit down to to create then it takes a little bit longer and I think it's also um, a challenge that every creative will face sooner or later um, is um, yeah developing and um, yeah things um, take a little bit longer with time I think because I committed to a certain uh, yeah aesthetic maybe mm -hmm. and this initial feeling of everything is possible or um, it doesn't really matter what I do, I just do it. This is something you have to preserve and that takes a little bit of uh, yeah work to preserve for yourself, I think. At least that's my, mm. uh, uh, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a, there's a real freedom to that. I think it's it's an aspirational place to be in that you know you're kind of allowing things to be what they what they are you know and and you're willing to show up as your in a different way to each canvas you know i think that's that's really important you you mentioned in there that sometimes you use found phrases um i i i was intrigued by that as well you know kind of what what's what's your starting point usually is it you know maybe a, a, like you said a phrase has caught your attention or do you have a little do you, do you have a little list of phrases that you think you might want to explore in the future where do you start usually yeah i think like as far as i know most writers have some kind of lists going mm -hmm. on somewhere right 
Yeah. Uh, I have that too, but now it's split in English and German because, um, yeah, the English language is now a thing for me, which I actually use. Um, yeah. Um, at, for this project, I would say I mostly use stuff that's popping into my head. Uh, I don't have that much lists going on, actually. Uh, the the phrase or the word that, that I want to use is one that I will remember on the next day after it pops up into my head. So um, that's may maybe that's a pre-filtering of, of phrases for me. So I try to to um, realize what pops into my head and then keep it until I find time to, to actually do it. I think lots of ideas already like discarded themselves through that filter, but I think that's, that's fine. <laughs> and yeah. And then I just do a rough draft. Um, you see in uh, the pieces are so uh, simple that I can draft it out um, pretty quickly. And then it, it sits there and sometimes I do pieces and they just uh, they just don't work for me. So they remain in this drafting stage. I have a whole bunch of those that I don't feel um, finished or the right time. It's often also a question of timing. I have a whole bunch of pieces that I would love to, to release, but they are just waiting for the right time, I guess. Sometimes they just fit I don't know, uh, I, I can't put my finger on it, but sometimes it's, I know now is the time to release this or that, or this one has to wait a little longer. Yeah, yeah that's, re that's really interesting. So I guess we, there's a whole backlog of Merchant Coppola pieces just waiting <laughs> for, the, for yes. the right time. That's good, that's good. Um, I, I'm interested to know, again, this, this kind of falls into the, could be a little bit difficult to describe in audio, but I'm going to ask anyway because I'm interested, right? Is, are there any particular pieces that you've pulled together that, that just stay with you, that, that, that whether you want to call it your favorite or whether you kind of love producing that piece the most or whether it just you feel most proud of it, whatever it is that is the right description for you, but the piece that stays with you? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really hard to answer. Um, no, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but sometimes, um, um, I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I take a look over my creations page, um, and just see what I've done and how they interact with each other. I think that's maybe a, a thing that I try to achieve and, um, uh, I hope, yeah, I hope uh, I can say about my stuff um, that it works is that those pieces kind of interact with each other and also um, act as a little bit of a diary for me too. Mm -hmm. um, I can look at those and kind of re- live or revisit um, the times around uh, when I produce them and I think that's that's a cool thing it's a little bit a tangent from your from your <laughs> question right but yeah uh, that's that, that's maybe one thing I would I'm trying to work on and which I think comes together quite nicely at the moment in my opinion yeah it does and also you know a tangent from the question is perfectly Fine, because if you think about it, it's a little bit like when you start working with one of your canvases. You know, we start in one place and then we push it around a little bit <laughs> and we end <laughs> somewhere else. And and that's fine because, you know, what's so, what's so lovely about this is I've seen so much of your work and I'm getting that lovely little insight into kind of the way that you approach it and the way you think about it. And, and it's also nice when you get that feeling of something resonating because, again, I, I think anybody listening to this that, you know, is, is either within this space or not, you know, any kind of creative work that they do, the idea that you can uh, almost treat your back catalogue of work like a diary uh, is actually quite a beautiful thing. You know, it becomes a journal. You remember what you were going through when you, you put that piece together. And it's also quite a lovely private adventure, isn't it? Because not everybody else 
gets to know that, you know, about those pieces. Um, so that's lovely. I like that a lot. And there was something that we talked about before we started this chat, just, just quickly before, and I wanted to bring that back up because, again, it just digs into the kind of the, the, the personal history, I suppose, of, of how you kind of come to be where you are. And it was that I was so interested in, in your name because a lot of people in this space are obviously working on the names that they've, that, that they've chosen to adopt um, as artists, as writers. And I'm intrigued if you wanted to talk a little bit about where you know, the name came from. Yes, sure. Um, yeah. Um, well, when I started here, I wanted to have a, uh, a proper Twitter uh, account for this NFT stuff. Uh, I think probably a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, and I was, I was thinking about a name that that I would find fitting for what, uh, what, what that represents me without giving away too much of my, yeah, private personality. And I've always been a big fan of romantic literature, um, German romantic literature, um, romantic in a sense of an of an uh, time frame like uh, around the nineteenth um, century, and um, this kind of they like this period uh, was was the early period of industrialization, right? Uh, and it brings together some kind of magical thinking with uh, mm-hmm. with the belief in science and um, and automation and all this kind of uh, yeah scient- scientific uh, stuff and I've always loved this this combination in those stories um, which often are fairy tales but often with a very dark touch. Um, so I, I took this uh, this um, figure, not figure. How is it called? This name from a book, and called um, Der Sandmann, um, the Sandman, which is basically uh, a little fairy tale, uh, um, a crafted fairy tale. I don't know if you have this um, uh, this uh, term, crafted fairy tale, because normally I. A fairy tale is something that's that's uh, old and um, given from from mouth to ear, right? That's mm-hmm. a fairy tale, it's a traditional story. But in the Romantic era, um, there was this push uh, to craft fairy tales and to write them as an author. That's also a tangent, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's a good tangent. And, Keep going down that one. I'm interested. Um, and in this fairy tale, um, it's a little bit, uh, it's about a person that has a childhood trauma because um, his father, the main protagonist's father, is experimenting with alchemy in the, in the basement. And there's always this old friend of, of his father coming over and then they are doing these strange alchemy experiments in the, ba- in the basement. And... Um, um, the main protagonist one day witnesses how one of those experiments go wrong, goes wrong and sees how his father dies. And he always blames the, the friend of his father who is a uh, lawyer, an advocate uh, uh, for, for the death of his father. And this basically kicks off is a backstory told in, like told in, 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 in letters in the beginning. And then, it's about his yeah, youth, or he goes to university and um, there's this person coming into town um, who sells um, gla- glasses and how, I, how, how is it called in English, uh, where you can look into the sky with uh, oh, like te- telescope. Yeah, telescopes. And it's called, in German, um, this particular thing is called Wetterglas, uh, which means weather glass. I don't know exactly where the yeah anyways so an optic guy that sells glasses and he thinks the main protagonist thinks um he sees this um lawyer again in 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 this person and uh he's slow he's slowly growing madder and madder and also another person in the university is building a robot um uh, there was a there was a period in in the nineteenth 
century, century where they try to build humans, uh, automats, like robots, but this word wasn't invented back then. So they built something that looked like a human and, and did some kind of movements. Uh, and this plays with this motive. And he falls in love with this robot girl. And, uh, yeah, and is more and more descending into madness. And I, and I, it's, it's really hard for me to describe it in English, but this book is so magical to me somehow because it's written in such a far era but plays with so much motives you would find in, 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 in today's sci-fi novels or fantasy novels. Yeah. And, it, and it also has such a cool structure. It's told with, with letters. Um, sometimes you have... Um, have a um, have a um, oh, how is how is it called? Sorry, sorry. If my English is just not good no, enough. No, this is great. Keep going. Um, sometimes you have um, the um, person who is actually writing, not actually writing the book, but uh, but is um, telling the story, addressing the audience. Um, like there's so much levels you can go into the book. Um, it has ironic touches with this, uh, like the, the pseudo author addressing the audience in the book and stuff. I really love it. It's just one of my favorite books. But um, yeah, so um, yeah, I took, basically, I took the name of the guy selling glasses, who is the merchant. Um, I took it and used it because, yeah, I, I love the idea of someone dealing with glasses that, that distort reality or something. Because this is one motive, um, and the main protagonist at the end looks through one of those glasses and sees the robot again, and it distorts his reality, and he then uh, commits suicide. Um, yeah, I, I love this idea of glasses distorting reality, and a merchant, of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm immediately going to go out and get hold of a copy of that story, because that sounds right up my street that sounds absolutely awesome um but i'm also intrigued and I, maybe i'm stretching this too far but this idea of re glasses that distort reality is that is that something that ever kind of feels like it feeds into anything that you do i mean because there's so much play in that way with your work yeah it would would be too nice to say yes now but so, i have to admit when i picked the name I I didn't even think about uh, type, typography or writing uh, visual poems or something. Uh, this came later, so but maybe it's a subconscious thing, right? But I think it's. I mean, this this is too big a subject to to dive into now. But I always find it interesting when people um, talk about whether it's their favorite books or themes that keep going back to them. You know, you can read too deep into things, I suppose, but at the same time. It's it's not uncommon to find that people can play out these themes within those the questions. Maybe that's what I'm saying. People are often there's often questions that people consistently answer over and over again throughout their life, and these questions they get drawn to within stories uh, in people, and then they also kind of find themselves, you know, answering them through through their work or exploring them. And you know, I'm not kind of suggesting that it's it's neat to be able to say it's the reality distorted glasses <laughs> it's not necessarily <laughs> as neat as that but it is interesting i think the stories we're drawn to and then the stories we're drawn to tell i think is kind of what i'm saying there's not really a question it's just a a, 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 thought, a thought there yeah i think i think it's also the mm, modus the um the way the story is taught yes. and the playfulness of it. Um, I, I, yeah. If you read the book, you will maybe understand what I mean. Um, that's the fascination. And this has always been like, I've always been drawn to weird nonlinear and uh, playful uh, writing. So um, I guess this is something I would love to explore with my works too. So there is a connection through uh, the love uh, of some type of writing, I would say. No, I think that's a really, really interesting point. Again, that feels like it's a whole, 
an, an episode all of its own that you know this idea that there's a there's a personality of the text you know there's a and and you've mentioned this a few times as you know the playfulness and the non-linearity of something and and you are literally playing with our expectations of the way that words should appear on a page and it might not necessarily be that you are making a, a conscious link between those two. In fact, I'm, I'm sure that you're not always doing that. But the fact is, there is something in those two things. You know, you find that kind of interesting within the story that you're talking about here, the way that it plays with convention and it, and it, and it, and it, it doesn't feel like it has to um, kind of sit in that um, kind of too formalist structure. And you get to play in that area too, which makes me all the more excited to think about where your work's going to go next, given that you're, you know, you, you've everything that I've seen of you. We're saying that you started minting that about a year ago, maybe less. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. short period of time. There, there's something else I wanted to pick up on that I thought that I've really enjoyed about what you've done this year, and that's been a lot of being in the NFT space. Is obviously there's partly people minting their work and sharing their work and exploring their own creative kind of possibilities, but there's also um, everybody living on Twitter, right? And how are we going to handle that? And one thing that you've done over the last year a few times, which I've loved, has been these deep threads into things that you're incredibly interested in. And I'm kind of intrigued as to, does that come from kind of an interest in, you just enjoy exploring different types of kind of artistic um, forms? One of my favorites was yours on chairs, by the way. Uh, it's really, really interesting. You know, I mean, where does where does that come from? That kind of wanting to share those specific things, but also, have you got any more up your sleeve? Because I've got them all saved. I love them. Uh, yeah, I can. That that one I can really answer well because um, I really uh, remember well when I wrote my first one about Greek statues. Uh, Greek statues, that's yes. how you pronounce it. Um, uh, it was because I was I was still in this, it was pretty early when I started out, and I was still in this exploration phase. I, I was really interested in looking what's happening in all those feeds, in the Twitter feeds, in the Hicket Nunk feed, and other feeds. Uh, what are common motives here? What is this even? And I wanted to just for myself, basically, just to 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 research a little bit and to see, can I find common binding stuff that's maybe cultural defining in a way um, what is happening here? So it, to me, it made sense to 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 collect motives uh, and and uh, yeah, common common stuff that's that's reappearing maybe yeah over a certain period of time so greek statues of course statues sorry ah my pronunciation um those greek figurines um are of course a big meme thing right uh i don't know if, if anyone remembers the whole vaporwave movement and stuff so it like it's it's no surprise that it kind of came in here uh, two, but um, thread after thread, uh, it's more interesting to to look at more um, like mundane things like um, chairs or um, frames or um, mm. yeah, like um, now it's basically just a research project. I really love. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just try to find to connect stuff. I, it, it's just a fun thing to do, right? To to sort stuff and trying to to connect dots, and in a fun way. And of course, I always learn a lot uh, myself if I just research a little bit and try to decipher uh, motives. Of course, yeah, and that, that's something that we've. It, it's popped up a couple of times on previous episodes. It's this composability of, of of groups, you know, when you get a group of people together and they're willing to explore ideas out loud, like you're talking about, you know, you're interested in researching this yourself. You didn't just research it yourself and then keep it to yourself. By sharing it, you know, you're you're constantly providing 
new perspectives for other people to think about as well. You know, and I, I remember coming away again, you know, I've, there's little bits I've pulled out of some of these. And one of them that stood out to me was you were talking about um, this, this kind of chair. I think it was a piece of art by Tom Friedman called Untitled, right? Do you remember that piece? And it's, it's a chair that's kind of had holes drilled into it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To the point where, and you kind of describe it as, you know, at what point does this chair stop being a chair? You know, because because as you drill a hole into it, you know, you lose a little bit of the chair. And if you keep going, eventually it stops looking like a chair. And I remember coming away from that thread. And that particular piece was so interesting to me because, first of all, it reminded me a little bit of the way that you work in that there's a sense that you push things around a canvas and you add things and you take them away and, and, and you you're, you're maybe looking for this place where where is that sweet spot where you know you've really refined it to the everything it needs to say what it needs to say and not anything more in the same way that that kind of tom friedman piece is essentially you know it's trying to find that space where it's what's the bare bones of what we think of as the concept of chair um yeah and again this is me thinking out loud, but that was really, really interesting to go through that thread. And every single one of your threads has got something like that in there where you are thinking. And because you're thinking out loud, we're getting to experience that as well. And, and I imagine a lot of people in this in this spaces session, but also in the, in the NFT space in general, have taken an awful lot away from those threads. So I hope you're going to keep, keep doing more of them. That's really, really uh, yeah, encouraging to hear, right? Um, yeah, and like one thing, um, I was asked if I wanted to do this as an article um, by a few people, and I think the 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 threat part is also important for me mm -hmm. um, because it is not only connecting these pieces on a like um, in the text or with a idea. There's also a threat, a line. Um, putting together original posts from original artists. And I think this is something mm. really amazing. You don't get in, uh, like in every, every way. If, you, if, you, if, if I would just talk about um, artworks and write articles and place uh, examples here and there, I think it wouldn't be the same. In this case, the actual artists I link um, of course, the NFT uh, examples I link, right? Um, they see this and they can engage with it, and they do. And um, people click not on some kind of JPEG, they click onto the original artist's statement about, about the piece. I think that's, that's an interesting part of this whole uh, threat thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And, and again, Another subject that could be a whole other podcast is just how, you know, I mean, obviously Twitter's been around for a while, but it's it's another one of those pieces of technology where it's not always obvious exactly what it was going to be, you know, useful for. And it's actually only when you bring people to it and you realize that there's there's ways in which you can share knowledge in, in an article form, like the way you're talking about, but that because it's in this thread format rather than as a standard article, you can do things with it that you wouldn't be able to do and you can be social about the way that you um, converse with the artist. Uh, that, that's, um, that's really cool. That, that's a really good thing. And I'm going to make sure that I post links to these threads um, after this chat and we'll, we'll get a couple of those threads in the podcast notes as well, in the show notes, so that anybody else coming to it can click through and, and read those threads. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as you said, uh, you can use this tech technology in in various ways. And I was really, uh, I was, uh, I really stayed away from Twitter before doing NFTs because uh, it's really emotionally draining sometimes. Right, uh, all these discussions and people are mm -hmm. so um, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a strange environment uh, where bubbles are forming, right? And on the other hand, you have clashes of people and yeah, it, yeah, but in this, since I use it for NFT, I think 
we have to <laughs> to be honest to ourselves it's also a bubble right <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, within this bubble it's very useful and you can do great stuff with twitter but uh, yeah it has its dark side too of course i think <clears throat> oh yeah for sure for sure i think before nft twitter my general rule was never look at twitter in the morning because it's mm. going to ruin your day <laughs> You know? Or in the evening, because you might yeah. don't might be not be able to sleep. It's interesting. I wonder how many people in this space um, are in a similar position to the one that I was in. Whereas I'd had a Twitter account since two thousand nine, and I stopped using it years ago, and then only really kind of got back onto Twitter through this because it, you know I could see a usefulness of collaborating and connecting in this way that hadn't been present. Um, I don't know. Um, so. I'm thinking that because we've got about 10 minutes, there's one there's another subject that I really wanted to get onto. There's loads, actually, but we won't get to all of them. And that was, you've, you. so you recently did a piece um, on FX Hash with Sammy Hayes called Letters to Young Poets, which was um, a, a generative piece, right? So you, so you was kind of, um, and, and Sammy working together as kind of writer and artist in this. And I, I'm interested, first of all, if you could kind of tell us a little bit about Letters to Young Poets and kind of how you see that that project, but also this decision to try uh, generative work where you have just that little bit less fine motor control, given how much, um, you know, independence you've always had to kind of oversee the final canvas. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll try. Um, so first of all, uh, Sami Sami was uh, one of the first uh, um, visual poets I, I saw on in my realm when I started out. So his work had lots of influence on me in a sense that I was in, especially in the first period when I started, I was looking for for other text visual artists. Um, because yeah, just to see, um, to to get kind of yeah, to to see if someone else is also on this kind of track <laughs> path. Yeah. Um, and I found a few, and Sami was one one of them. So I was always kind of um, thinking about how would it look like if two visual poets would would collaborate. Um, so I was very glad when when he actually uh, messaged me. Um, a few months ago, uh, asking if I want to collaborate on this generative thing he did, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> uh, sounds kind of fun, and also um, sounds interesting because I was always uh, interested or, or kind of curious how it would look like to do visual poetry with uh, generative uh, like technology uh, with. Uh, randomization and um, yeah, as you said, giving a little bit of this control, which is a big part of of the creative process, right? Uh, I, um, since it's so um, uh, so simple or so reduced, uh, you always have to place very very much uh, detail or concentrate yourself on the details because maybe an inch or half an inch or a few pixels do matter. Um, so, yeah, so I was excited. And first of we we didn't do much. Uh, we were just thinking, let's do it somehow. And Sami had, and I have to give him full credit here, he had lots of uh, 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 layers he wanted to combine already prepared when he approached me. So I was basically... Uh, um, thrown into that uh, with some semi kind of concept already established and um, yeah uh, and then he showed me what he has come up and I looked at it and thought uh, I think the first thing I, I, I wrote uh, back was this has huge data potential <laughs> because I like the way um, it reflected kind of the, the randomness of, of dataism which is also something that I really really love and that has a huge influence on me and the data movement and we we tried a little bit around he had this um early stage of a, of a of a code for this where you would just combine randomly those those layers and we just send around layers uh, to each other and just say yeah let's put this 10 layers in and see what happens and you know this was such a playful and funny way of working mm. it was so relaxing because you just 
you just put stuff into a magical machine and the magical machine will push out <laughs> stuff yeah uh, and all this this uh, I, I talked about this before in this talk actually like the the stress of having a, established an aesthetic you want to um, pursue and um, thinking in that in that in that uh, um, yeah in that boundaries is so sudden, suddenly gone away you just do stuff, put it in, and and see what happens. And if you don't like certain parts of it, you still can put it out, right? You can delete it again. But um, this was such a such a um, relaxing experience, actually, a re relaxing kind of experience to create something together, and just putting together stuff into it's it's like cooking. You put stuff into a pot, and then you stir it a little bit, and then something comes out. And yeah. So it was really refreshing. I think I think um, Sami to told me it was the same for him. It was really um, relaxing and fun, just simple fun. Yeah, I mean, considering you know how fun it was to do, I'm 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 really impressed with how well those layers all come together because it's not an easy thing to bring um, the kind of the kind of artwork that you've got there, the kind of mix of language and words and for it to come together and all feel so every piece feels on purpose. Like if you showed me any one of those pieces and said that this is just a one of one that you'd worked on today, for example, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But the fact that every single one of them comes out and feels like it's the only one, I think is credit to both of you. That's, that's a really difficult thing to do. Um, so yeah, I loved it. And you know, I loved it because I grabbed four. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. I mean, this was this was also an interesting phase. Um, I talked about the early stages where we just threw in layers, right? And then came a phase where we had to fine tune the layers so they don't overlap in the wrong way, kind of, right? Because mm -hmm. they were thrown together randomly, so they all have to be spaced or um, blocked out a little bit. And this was very interesting because. This uh, this was still kind of going with the flow of everything, right? Pushing the button to create something new. We had this script that would create random um, random iterations, and just so we see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then I, sometimes I just sat there and for half an hour and just create, like, like generate, 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 and see how they would line up. And yeah, yeah, it it, it was very interesting and also taught. Uh, a lot of about how we work, I think, because you analyze the stuff differently when it's randomized. Yeah, um, yeah. and it, 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 what, what was nice about that when I first saw that project is it really didn't. It's obviously you know you, you talked about before you've got an aesthetic, you know you you you've got something that's recognizable in the way that you work. You know, if if anybody goes onto your Showtime page, there's a real beauty in the fact that every piece feels entirely individual, yet they all feel like they're they're from the same author, right? You know, the, 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 there's definitely that feel there, which is wonderful. Um, but the fact that you've managed to move away from the, the that that look, I suppose, that visual style, you know, with the kind of the, the black text on the white canvas, and still it's very clear that this is, you know, Merchant Coppola work in here. I think that's a really real testament because I think I mentioned earlier in here you know, I'm interested to see what, what you do next. And you said you've got more pieces that, you know, are, are ready to come out. But all of us are going to go on this journey for six months, for the next year, for longer and longer, you know, where we see our styles develop. And I think watching the way that your style has then moved into this uh, particular project with um, with Sammy is, is, a, is, is a really good example of how you don't have to lose your style as you kind of, as you evolve, right? That's, that's really interesting. So I'd recommend anybody um, playing with the idea in the head of how do I evolve my, my personal style where I don't lose myself, but I still go and visit new places. This is a great example of, of how that can be done. Um, Merch, is there anything that you would like to kind of add or anywhere you'd like to direct people to as we reach the end of this chat? Um, I guess, all the crypto writers I would direct to the crypto writers discord, but I think you're already there, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, no, I would say um, 
uh, it's always good to 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 go into uh, a new into new spaces, try collaborations. Like I think this is something. Uh, um, it's always cool to 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 work together, right? And as you as we just talked about, I think I would not have thought what uh, what would come out of this collaboration with Sami and also the other collaborations. Uh, if I look back on the co collaborations I did so far, and I hope I can do more um, soon, I, I have lots of <laughs> collaborations that are kind of uh, need more love because at the moment I'm very very busy with with other stuff so yeah but um i think this always uh, evolves someone a little bit or the style uh, if you if you engage with someone else and try to yeah really let someone else into your creative uh, world and visit someone else's creative uh, world i think this is a huge uh, this is something i would direct people to into engaging with other people's creative worlds or something. If that doesn't sound uh, too uh, pretentious or, um, yeah, but yeah, go explore and build, I would say, um, always build because uh, I think that also is, can only be good for everyone. <clears throat> yeah, I completely agree. There's nothing even remotely pretentious in the at all. I mean, it, it, when people kind of listen through this session, you you got to remember that you, they're listening to somebody talk about, um, you know, the the adventure of, of kind of play and and seeing how that plays out, and then you know to do the maths of it and realize that you know you brought your name from this kind of fairy tale that you read many years ago, and then you happens to be on doing this work for a radio show that led you to do a piece for NFTs that led you to do these pieces where you've done, I don't know how many, but it's an awful lot of wonderful typographic experiments over the last you know, year that then led you into the path of Sammy to do this work. That entire experience is a, an experience that can only be experienced by somebody who is willing to follow the adventure of play, you know, and be open to it and go, well, what might happen next? That can't happen if you're entirely rigid and you say, well, I just don't know if it'll work out. So being open to everything that you just talked about, Merch, I think is, is, is pretty phenomenal advice. And you were a perfect example of how well that can play out when you're willing to follow that feeling and see where it takes you. So uh, this was great, Merch. I'm really, really glad we had a chance to hop on and, and chat. Yeah. I'm, I'm also like, yeah, it's sometimes hard for me to uh, <laughs> to answer those questions because yeah it's it's always strange coming out of your creative hole right um <laughs> yeah of course and yeah. and also hearing uh, people uh, yeah talk in that way about your work like in those uh, very very generous terms and <laughs> raving tone um, this is something that's uh, yeah i'm not used to and uh, I'm glad I had this chance uh, to to talk a little bit about my yeah my personal uh, uh, art world or art cave, creative cave I'm always in. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It was really really enjoyable. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm sure that we'll have you on again. I, I feel like there was a whole thread on hen that we could have pulled on, but you know it was just so interesting going down those other roads. So. Um, you know, to anybody that's listening, if you're not currently a part of the Crypto Writers Discord, but you are a writer that's um, kind of interested in kind of the Web3 space, the NFT space, crypto writing, then, you know, get in touch and, and we'll send you the link over so you can join our community. Um, we've got plenty more more talks coming up. So, so keep following us all and seeing what comes next. Big thank you again to Merchant Coppola and... Yeah, sorry, Merch, was there something else? Yeah, I have one, yeah. one thing. Uh, if you haven't seen it, um, we are mm. currently voting on a new name <clears throat> or on a name for the community copy of Hicket Nunk that is going to launch in February. So if you haven't, uh, you have, I think, three hours left 
to vote <laughs> for one of those 10 names and then we will um, there will be a runoff round afterwards but uh, yeah and where, you where would they go to vote yeah maybe you can just you can just go to hicketnunk.art and on the very top of the site there's a banner that will direct you to the vote so it's super easy to find it perfect okay well if you're in this room now then you know where to go immediately after we finish so thank you so much again to to merch and uh, for everybody's listening and we'll be back again soon thanks again for having me